You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're going to hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. We'll stop by the locker room and talk to some of the players as well, but the big draw on today's podcast, Brett Coleman, EJ Snyder, the Bootleg Football Podcast. They're stopping by to preview the 2023 Miami Dolphins. All of that and more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. It's another busy podcast here from the Drive Time Studios in the Baptist Health Training Complex. Some more roster moves here as tight end Tyler Croft has been brought back to the roster. So now you have your three tight ends with he, Julian Hill, and Durham Smythe. A little bit of everything in those skill sets. I like Tyler Croft's ability to play that kind of H-back or split flow action. The guy that can work some of the fullback responsibilities as well. Julian Hill, I thought, showed a tremendous growth all camp long in his run blocking, plus the receiving threat that he brings. And then, of course, Durham Smythe, just steady as it goes. You know exactly what you're going to get from Durham. Dolphins also bring in cornerback Justin Bethel, who missed a good chunk of camp after his last play of camp was an interception off the Falcons during those joint practices. He's back. So is Perry Nickerson, who I thought had a great last couple of weeks of camp in the preseason. And that coincides with some injured reserve news. Jalen Ramsey, Rob Jones on IR. I think I said Rob Hunt on the podcast yesterday, so I apologize if I scared the crap out of some of you guys. Rob Jones on IR. Um, he will miss the first four games of the year at least. And so will Jeff Wilson, Dolphins running back. Coach McDaniel mentioned a midsection injury and a finger injury uh, that will put him on the injury reserve for at least the first four games. Of course, all of those have designation to return. And we heard from Chris Greer that they do expect Jalen Ramsey back at some point this season. Also sounds like good news for both Bethel and Elijah Campbell for not going on the injury reserve. So as of this taping the 53 Tua, Mike and Skyler, three quarterbacks, Savon, Devon, Raheem, uh, Chris Brooks, and Alec for five running backs, Braxton, Reek, Sed, Waddle, Easy E, River Craycraft for your six wide receivers, Croft, Durham, and Julian Hill for the three tight ends, Connor Williams, Lester Cotton, Hunt, Kendall Lamb, Keon Smith, T-Stead, Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg, Isaiah Wynn for nine offensive linemen. That gives you 26 on the offense. Defensively, Zach Christian, Peely, and Raekwon is four players on the D-line. Chubb, JP, Gink, and Ogba, your four edge guys. Your four linebackers, of course, Bake, uh, David Long, Duke, and Channing. At corners, seven of them, Cater, Bethel, uh, Bethel, Justin Bethel, my bad. Uh, Cam Smith, X, Eli Apple, Perry Nickerson, and Kelvin Joseph. And then Javon Holland, Deshaun Elliott, 
Elijah Campbell, Brandon Jones, and Verone McKinley, your five safeties. So 24 on defense. And then, of course, Jason Bailey and Blake as your three specialists. We also got some practice squad news as some more guys were returned to that group. I believe we have 11 total now. I mentioned the previous guys on the last podcast, but we got more news. Darrington Evans was a running back out of Appalachian State that I was a big fan of coming out of college. I believe he went in the third or fourth round to the Tennessee Titans. He is now here with the Miami Dolphins on the practice squad. We also got James Tunstall back. Uh, He was in camp with us out of Cincinnati as that right tackle that you saw in the preseason. And then a second addition um, from a previous or from a, a separate team, I should say, to the practice squad with Joshua Kalu, formerly of the Washington Commander. So plenty of roster activity and also news of an extension came across the wire late on this Thursday. What a happy moment it must be for Alec Ingold, who gets three additional years. So four more years of Alec doing what he does best, clearing space for all these guys, selflessly giving himself to the football team. One of my favorite guys on the entire roster and the entire building. If you have not seen my interview with Alec from back in March, I think it was, go back and check that out. He's one of the best guys to interview, one of the best people that you'll have a chance to meet. So he gets his extension. And I've talked about it at length. The way this guy expands the offensive options in terms of how you give different personnel packages. You add gaps in the running game. You can throw the football to him, as we saw last year, with a couple of those catches and and touchdown plays that he made. So Alec Ingold's one of the most important pieces, I think, of this offense. And I wanted to ask Raheem Mostert, because who would know better than Raheem what kind of impact Alec Ingold has on the football team? Here's the Dolphins' RB1 on FB1 today in the locker room. I mean, I'm just happy for him. I think... I think of the world of that guy, and he deserves every every bit that comes his way and more. So, um, could be much much more proud uh, for a guy like him to get get that extension. That means a, I know it means a lot to him. Um, and we just literally manifested it a um, couple, literally like last week, um, about getting the extension. You know, he he is up in question about you know his future. Um, he's like, hey, look, I'm gonna just work my tail off, and if it comes, it comes. If not, then you know it wasn't meant to be, but. Um, I told him, don't worry about it. You know, everything happens for a reason. And then sure enough, here we are today talking about it. So it's funny how it works out, huh? Yeah, it's funny, man. It's I, exciting. I think I've asked this before, but you've run, run behind fullbacks a lot in your career. Yeah. Has, what has Alec taught you about just, you know, the running back position you have playing from behind the quarterback back there? Yeah, you know, I've, I've had quite a, quite a few guys that I've uh, ran behind in particular, you know, Juice, um, which is he's a hell of a player as well. But... Alex, man, he brings a different type of energy. He brings uh, some tenacity, um, some nastiness. He's not afraid to put his neck into something, not to say that Juice wasn't, but um, for him, it's, it's all about, you know, getting the right fit and then, you know, run off of his block. And um, I thought that that's pretty cool that somebody like him would be able to be vulnerable and give himself up just for a good, the cause of the group. Um, especially in helping, you know, me out or any other running back out. I thought that was pretty cool. So it's gotta be the most selfless position in the league. Yeah, most I, I selfless, like. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and he he takes it with pride, and he wants to continue to see the fullback position uh, thrive, even after he's done playing. You know, he he, he is a standard of a fullback, um, and he he gets all the recognition in the world. Appreciate it, appreciate it, man. Had to flag down Andrew Van Ginkle, his lone former college teammate turned current teammate here at the Miami Dolphins, to ask him how he felt seeing his friend get a contract extension. Alec is, a, you know, the epitome of hard work and dedication, and um, he always comes in with the right mindset. Um, he's definitely, he definitely cares about um, just the team as a whole. You know, he's the most selfless guy, and you know, to see him earn a contract like that is, is special. He deserves it, and you know, I'm really happy for him. 
Let's go ahead and hear now from the man himself, Alec Ingold, who spoke to the media after practice, after the day. What a fun way to go into the weekend for that guy. Here's your new fullback, not new, but the fullback for the next four years here, Alec Ingold. Hey man, I'm excited. Um, Today's one of those days where you don't really know how it happens, why it happens, but um, it kind of all happens at once at the same time. So extremely humbled, a lot of people to thank. You have just an absolute attitude of gratitude to this whole organization um, to trust you. I feel like that's the biggest thing is whenever you can get your trust from teammates, players, and organization, people you go to work with every day, like that's, that's the biggest seal on anything, stamp of approval. So yeah, man, excited to be here. For, you guys are stuck with me four more years, stuck with some fullbacks, so it'll be good. Just want to let you guys know, I intend to do a lot more of those this year on the podcast. I think it really helps supplement kind of my own takes, my own thoughts and theories to hear from the players on stuff like this. So you're going to hear lots, lots, lots more from open locker rooms. I'm going to be down there hustling, getting my interviews, uh, trying to beat Barry Jackson to the punch because that guy hustles harder than anybody else in the local market down here, getting to talk to all the guys and getting his nuggets for you guys out there. So more time in the locker room this year, more interviews with players. Look forward to that on the Drive Time Podcast. Speaking of interviews, we're going to take our first break right there and come back with a long interview I had with the guys from the Bootleg Football Podcast. We're going to talk to Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tis the season for football, Dolph fans. Join your Miami Dolphins for our season kickoff party at Oasis on Saturday, September 9th, where fans can enjoy giveaways and a guest performance from Grammy-nominated DJ Audion. For more information, visit MiamiDolphins.com slash kickoff. Let's go ahead and get to my chat with the two guys from the Bootleg Football Podcast. You might have seen their work up on YouTube. They do a great job breaking down every team heading into the season. They love our Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and get to my chat with Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder from Bootleg Football. Please join me in welcoming in two of my favorite human beings on this planet. It's a large planet, guys. From the Bootleg Football Podcast and the the Bootleg Football Universe, EJ Snyder, Brett Coleman, Brett, did EJ convince you finally to maybe make the Pacific Northwest a permanent residence? It's funny. I, I put out that video uh, and I shot it from Federal Way. You know where Federal Way is. Um, and I was describing how perfect it was. And then there was all these comments of like, yeah, but you haven't been there in like November to April. So, <laughs> you know, cool your jets a little bit. It's PNW strong right there. I make the same case, EJ. I say, yeah, you guys think it's nice for August, September, but just wait until uh, that February 35 days of consecutive rain and clouds rolls in <laughs> anyway. So you guys put a bow on your divisional previews up on the bootleg football podcast. I, I say it tirelessly that the best preseason and season preview content that exists anywhere. 
Um, I'm sure by the time you guys get to team 30, you are sick of it as that usually is the case for most long-term projects like this, but whether you're a football fan, you know, as just a fan or for fantasy or any reason at all, these guys are going to make you smart. So check out their podcasts and their videos up on their YouTube channel, bootleg football. And EJ, I want to just kind of get a, a, a recap of it from you here because, you know, I talk about it on the podcast a lot. I think I referred to it on every single one of my divisional previews this summer. I want to know the numbers you guys did this year. Did you set records? And just kind of give us the brief overview on the series and how it's kind of evolved to this point and maybe what you learned this go around. It's a lot of questions. That's okay. I think I can handle it. But first off, <laughs> I want to say that's a high compliment coming from you. We really appreciate it. We've gotten a lot of those this summer. And in terms of setting records, if you're talking about personal records, uh, more people in the industry than ever have reached out to us and said similar things. So we feel really good about that. But in terms of pure numbers, 1.5 million views on the channel since this series launched. Ooh. The series is 40 total episodes. We cover every team and every division in the NFL in depth, uh, we're up about 40% in overall subscribers to nearly 46 K now. And all of that has made us one of the fastest growing pure football podcasts in the country this summer. So yeah, we set a few records. What did we learn? Um, we made a major jump this year in production going to a three camera setup. And we learned that even if you plan as carefully as you can, uh, <laughs> increases in quality, no matter how small come with a significant increase in workload and production time. But in the end, it was all worth it because we both feel like this is the best content that we've ever produced, period, bar none. Yeah, I would also I, say... I'm uh, inclined to agree. Go ahead, Brett. One, one quick note, by the way, um, adding on to that, you say, oh, you get sick of it by Team 30. Well, I'm pretty sure Team 30 this year was the Dolphins episode that we did, <laughs> that which we accident. were looking forward to like the entire time. We're like, I can't wait to talk about the Dolphins. So uh, in this particular case... Uh, it was more so we spent two months building up to the teams that we actually wanted to talk about. Look at that transition right into the Dolphins content we're going to talk about here with both of you guys. And, you know, I, uh, I I showed your video to my boss and I was like, we got to have these guys on. They both love us this year and and they're going to tell us some good things. They believe in this team and how they think they'll will fare this year. And so I wanted to get you guys both on here together to talk about kind of the series and kind of how you view the Dolphins as a whole. But I was kind of trying to figure out, like, what's the best way to maximize content with you guys? Because, you know, we can talk about Tua's release or what a Tua's injury history or, you know, Xavier Howard's playmaking. The fans have heard all that. They, they know all that. I want to try to take it to another level here and just give some more explanation into the finer details of what's coaching staff and how the personnel fits with the coaching staff. So I just want to get you guys to, to help welcome us into the 68th season in Miami Dolphins franchise history. And you'd be hard pressed to find one with more excitement and anticipation heading into the season. So I'll start here with you, Brett, those expectations, like fans are thinking big this year, justified to you. It is because, uh, I mean, even look back to last year, were it not for, you know, I guess the overall health and durability of the squad, they could have gone a lot farther last year. Like I was down there in Miami in September against Buffalo and Buffalo was the team that everybody was on, right? Like they're like, Buffalo's going to win the Super Bowl. And then the first speed bump they hit that year was Miami where they came out, they gave Josh Allen a lot of problems. Obviously the heat was a factor. I mean, I was in like the sixth row there, like watching people actually melt on the field. But from a schematic perspective, from a talent perspective, they were able to go blow for blow with big bad Buffalo last year. And they're even more talented this year. And were it not for some of the injuries that happened, I think that they could have legitimately gone on a run 
in, uh, in coach McDaniel's first year. So going into year two now, um, where everybody's more comfortable in the system, they've added even more talent, you know, hopefully we get Jalen back in a timely manner. Uh, hopefully, you know, obviously we get, we get more health at the quarterback position. There's really no reason for me to believe that this year is going to be uh, any worse than last year. Like I, I see, I see last year as the stepping stone to something great rather than say an anom- anomaly. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can, I agree wholeheartedly, but like, I always try to remind fans because it's always like the ultimatum, right? Like this is the thing you have to achieve this year, regardless. And it's like, well, what about, you know, circumstances outside of your control that happen in this league and in this sport? Like I think back to the Ravens the last couple of years, and I think like we were always so hot to be like, oh, they're going to get their injury situation settled this year and they're going to come back and they're going to win 14 games and they're going to roll to the Super Bowl. And it's like, then they got injured again, like the exact same thing, but double the injuries. And so you just never really mm-hmm. know what can happen. And so I, I agree with you. And it was tough to see because we hit that crescendo last year. I'll never forget it. We were eight and three. Tua had thrown the first ball of the game to Trent Sherfield against the 49ers for a 75 yard touchdown. That was like the peak of my Dolphins fandom right there was thinking this team's going to win the freaking Super Bowl this year. They are, they're going to do it. Like they're <laughs> that good. And then things happen. Like, it's just crazy how, how the league can turn so fast and injuries are a big part of that. But um, I, I alluded to this earlier, you know, your guys' audience, my audience, we know the players, like you're not listening to this podcast. If you don't know the 53 man roster pretty much. So uh, know the coaches, know the systems, all that. But I want to go to your guys' expertise here, because again, the video they put out up on the bootleg football channel on YouTube, go check it out. It's very in-depth. The graphics are awesome. The transitions are great your editing it's all so well done guys and I, I love the element that you introduce the numbers and the the commentary and you just it all comes together for a really good snapshot of the dolphins and all the other 31 teams across the national football league but i want to go to you here ej and start with the offense because i think you did the offense on the preview for the most part and brett kind of led the defense with fangio and uh you know the second year in this system under you know, previously Kyle Shanahan, but Mike McDaniel had been there every stop of the way. There's always a substantial jump in year number two. Why do you think it is that, why do you think that is, I should say, and how do you think this group of offensive players really makes what Mike McDaniel wants to do go? For me, that second year jump is all about mastery. Last year was all about learning the basics and how to drive the car, if you will. And they did that extremely well. It's a huge credit to coach McDaniel and his staff. It is a complicated system. Um, and you ran it extremely well. You saw Tua among the league leaders in deep balls, et cetera, et cetera. Running game struggled a little bit, but that was largely because of injuries. This year, it's like taking that very same driver and putting them in racing school. And just because you know, like I said, it's a complicated system. Just because you know how to do something basically in a system doesn't mean that you've mastered it. That takes a little bit of time. And I think we'll start to see the benefits of all those little bits of mastery throughout the offense really take hold. And that goes from the offensive line to the running backs, understanding that interplay, more about how to run the routes, how to set the concepts, all those things that like now we know where we're going. And, oh, remember, it worked a little bit better when we did this. It worked a little bit better when I got out on this block just a half a tick earlier. And we're going to start to see that sort of some of the parts come together and really power this to be the engine of the team. Yeah, you guys kind of agree that the the running game kind of taking that next step and, and pushing itself to, you know, I think it was 24th in the league last year, but it wasn't necessarily for a lack of efficiency. It was more the lack of volume. Do you think there's a way to... And I don't know who wants to take this answer, but is there a way to sort of, you know, still get the efficiency you had in the passing game, which was the best in the NFL all year long, and but also maximize the running game? Because it seems like you kind of have to pick one or the other 
at least last year that was the case. What do you guys think about that? Uh, so, so I'll start with that. I think, um, I think everything kind of works hand in hand and it's about space at the end of the day, you're attacking space, whether it's run or pass. And I know McDaniel believes in this heavily of just find the one patch of grass where the defense isn't. Uh, and attack it. And if that patch of grass happens to be a B gap bubble where the linebacker is about a foot off of where he should be. Um, and so to a, you know, cans a pass call into a run because, Hey, we think we can get to our landmarks on time and choke off this mic and have a lane for Raheem or whoever, you know, to take off there. Uh, or maybe it's the other way. Maybe the mic is cheated a couple feet too far over. And he's like, I don't know if we're going to have the angles for this. Let me can that and go to a pass is going to attack that patch of grass behind him that he's not going to be able to get to on time. And I'll hit Jalen or whoever that's, you know, it's just about the quarterback, honestly, having the freedom to look at the snapshot of the defense, find where the space is, go through all of his rules in his head. Cause there's like a list of seven or eight rules of, can we run outside zone into this? You know, do they have unblockable support yet? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then just going through that Rolodex, uh, in order to find where the space is going to be. And I can't remember if we talked about this last season, but there was a, there was a, a quote that coach Mike gave where he was talking to Tua about how he was like reading an RPO and, and uh, he's like, Oh, is there a coaching point to this? And, and Mike was like, no, Tua just reads it. He just feels it. Right. And it's about having that instinct and that feel of, and that spatial awareness of where's my grasp how do I hit it, whether it's run or pass? I think that was uh, what was maybe so jar- – oh, go ahead, EJ. I'm going to cut you off, man. Get in there. No, it's okay. I I agree with everything Brett said, and I think sometimes we lean a little bit too heavily on the mechanism, right? It doesn't matter whether it's run or pass, especially in this system. What matters is that the efficiency stays high on both sides and that Tua is making those calls intuitively the correct way. And if he's not, that they come together and get that coached up and get that corrected. Because as long as the efficiency stays high, run or pass, this is going to be a very effective offense, and the balance matters a little bit less than I think it has traditionally. It's funny you talk about you know Tua just kind of having that feel. I also I try to explain this the best I can because it's such an innocuous thing for you know the casual observer to to come across. But I feel like the way Tua's ball handling has really kind of become a mastery of of of, of sorts in terms of his skill set. Really helps get that displacement at that second level. We saw it in the game against Jacksonville. I know it's preseason, but man, those linebackers were taking the cheese like four or five false steps every time he play action booted out of there. And I feel like that's got to have something to do with the way he kind of you know uses his ball handling. I'm also fired up here about the defense. I'll go back to you for this one, Brett, because the czar himself is here. And, you know, I was taking very furious notes when you were breaking down Fangio on the Dolphins episode uh, on the bootleg podcast. Like I was like, okay, the the quarter, quarter, half flips to the quarter, half. Like I just, it's a lot of verbiage, just a lot to take in and you're, you do a good job of explaining it. So I wanted to kind of go back to you here for this and, and talk about that, but also how the system matches the personnel we get on that side, you know, even post Ramsey injury, hopefully he's back sooner than later, but with, without Ramsey, how do you see the Dolphins personnel matching what coach Fangio wants to run? So I, I actually think that this current depth chart for the Dolphins is very analogous to what he had in Chicago in 2018, which is one of the best defenses Ooh, that we've yeah. seen in the last 10 to 15 years. Right. Um, but it, specifically from the secondary um, even, even without Jalen, obviously you still got Cater Kohu, who I think is a fantastic nickel, 
he is ferocious. He tackles, he hits, he's, he's willing to go up and press guys. Like I, I see him as like the new Bryce Callahan for them. Right. Um, Jalen, if he was healthy, he would be like uh, an even better version of Prince of Bukamara. Uh, you got X that I think would be uh, a bigger version of Kyle Fuller for them. Somebody who can obviously play press, but is also very, very comfortable in off coverage and, you know, breaking on balls and space and everything like that. You got a young Cam Smith who, oh my God, he's going to be good. <laughs> you know, until Jalen gets back, I think they're going to be just fine. Um, and then this the safeties, I think, uh, you know, Javon Holland, I think is, is a very analogous comparison to Eddie Jackson of that year, who was arguably the best safety in the entire league. Somebody who, if we wanted to, we could put him in the slot because he has a corner background, but um, particularly uh, in this system where the safeties have to essentially play a lot of man coverage by carrying vertical routes deep down the field, having a safety with corner background is imperative. Somebody with the footwork and the hips and the burst and all that kind of stuff. So Javon is going to be there, Eddie Jackson. And oh, by the way, they got Brandon Jones. Uh, and oh, by the way, they got Deshaun Elliott too. So like from, from a from a secondary talent perspective, very similar to the 2018 Bears. In terms of how they will be deployed, that is the operative question, right? Um, I want to prepare Dolphins fans for a very different defense schematically than what they saw in the last few years. Last year, they were first in cover one, meaning single high safety man coverage across the board. They were 11th in cover three. Um, they were second in zero. Boy, they love their cover zero. <laughs> but they were 31st in quarters and they were 32nd in quarter, quarter half, meaning quarters on one side of the field, cover two on the other side of the field. It's going to be the polar opposite. If you go back to, again, the 2018 Bears, they were first in playing quarter, quarter, half, or cover six. Uh, and they were also first in playing what Vic calls cover eight, which is half, quarter, quarter. So it's the other way around. Um, in terms of how you define quarter, quarter, half versus half, quarter, quarter, because I know they sound like the same thing. If you're a fan and you're watching at home, just look at where the passing strength of the offensive formation is. Where are the majority of the receiving threats? If there are three receiving threats on one side of the field, that is the strength of the passing formation. And then you look at the coverage that they're playing to it. So if, if they're playing quarters into the passing strength, that's how you know it's uh, a quarter, quarter, half or cover six. If they're playing cover two, into the passing strength and quarters on the backside, that is half quarter, quarter or cover eight. And then you got cover nine, which is coach Fangio's like version of cover three, essentially. And then you have quads, which is normal match quarters. So um, my point is most of the time, or at least close to most of the time, we're going to see them playing a lot of quarter, quarter, half and or half quarter, quarter, depending on the game plan for that week. Right. Um, you you can't really uh, it, you can't really say what's going to be their favorite coverage because a lot of it's going to be depending on what's the offensive talent who are we trying to stop what are the concepts we're trying to stop what are the main threats we're trying to stop so it's going to be either cover six cover eight uh, or quads most of the time depending on game plan but not going to be a whole lot of you know single high man coverage not going to be as much cover three definitely not going to be as much zero schematically speaking it's going to be basically the polar opposite of, of last year. 
and not to say that last year schematically wasn't good. Like they obviously had the guys to run what they wanted to run, but from a philosophical perspective, this is going to be a whole different beast that I don't think Dolphins fans are used to seeing yet. Yeah. It, it got real thin there last year with injuries. And so that, that approach was just difficult to attack because you had so many guys in man coverage and we're getting deep into the cornerback room. But uh, I hope all the fans out there were taking notes because we're going to quiz you guys on what Brett just talked about there with the coach Fangio system uh, at the end of the uh, end of class here. I don't know if you guys watched the Jacksonville game, uh, the final preseason game, but th- they ran so Jacksonville loaded up 12 personnel the entire game and Miami ran double nines and three techniques. I'm like, Vic is just refusing to put anything on tape right here. I'm pretty sure he's not <laughs> going to show you anything because he's out for a year and uh, you know, he's been working on whatever he wants to do to evolve his defense. I feel like he's not going to show you any of that in the exhibition season, nor should he. Uh, it's preseason has been become kind of a shell of its former self. I feel like, but um, you know, you guys have your predictions you do for every team. And by the way, I wanted to give you guys this, this note because I saw you kind of fighting back against it, against some of the comments on the YouTube section, which is always a, an absolute roller coaster, but um, <laughs> keep the positivity going, man, because that's how I've always wanted to cover the team and, and the league in general is like, I want to tell you what I think the the best of these guys could be and not sit here and dwell on like a six string tight end getting beat in a fourth quarter of a preseason game. Like I just don't care for that. So Keep doing your guys' thing. Uh, there's lots of us out there that do appreciate that style and that approach. So I just wanted to give you guys that. And that's a, a prelude into your win windows. And that's probably where you get the most crap from, I'm guessing, because a lot of teams, you have these maybe high, maybe wide windows of, of potential wins for the season. If I'm not mistaken, it was one of you was nine and th- nine through 13. One of you was nine through 12. Is that correct? It sounds, sounds about right. About right. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> So if I were to put y'all on the spot and say, give me the damn number exactly, would you have that for me? I'll yeah, let EJ go first because that's a, that's a minefield. I'll let <laughs> it is a complete minefield. But with the lead in, you know, great segue about positivity and what we want to see from this team and, and what both of us said on the podcast and what we continue to want to see is a healthy Tua for the whole season because yeah. this is a whole different animal. The entire team, the offense and the defense in terms of the stress that – Tua making the correct decisions on offense can put on an opponent. If we get to see that, even with the increases in competition in the AFC East, which are significant, I would say 12 wins. That's only losing five games. And I still think they could win the division with a 12-win season. And, you know, people might say, oh, they're that good. Why wouldn't they win 13 or 14? That's incredibly hard to do. In the modern NFL, it's a very long season. Injuries are going to take their toll, hopefully not at the quarterback position, but other positions. It always happens. You're going to have to, you know, McDaniel and Fangio are going to have to navigate through that. That's a lot to do. So I would say 12 with a healthy two. I would love to see it. And I think that could still take the division. I would say. Oh, man. See, I put my ceiling at 13. He puts you in the Bob Barker spot where like you, it's dangerous to go over, but you don't want to, like you want to be careful and make sure you're not like going over. If I had to choose, and I want to caveat this because just because I go under that doesn't mean I don't think they can win the Super Bowl. Right. I got you. I am acknowledging, <laughs> I am acknowledging the realism that the AFC is murderers row and especially yeah. the AFC East. I think an 11 win team in the AFC this year is equivalent to a 13 team or a 13 win team in the NFC. Like you put the dolphins in the NFC right now, they're going blow for blow with Philly for first seed. In my opinion, you put them in the AFC where they could probably, probably will split with Buffalo because Buffalo is also very talented. 
depending on the health of the Jets, I could see a split there. And, you know, the Patriots also, again, the Patriots had a top three defense in, in like pretty much every single metric last year, and they got even better. So, like, say what you want about the offense, but it's still going to be like a 17 to 15 game, right? It always is. It, it drives me crazy. It's, so, <laughs> it's 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 tough. So I'm going to go with 11 because not only do they have to go through the AFC East, but they have to go the rest of the AFC too. But 11 wins in the AFC could still be like a second or third seed you're hosting a playoff game. You go to the divisional round. If everybody's healthy, like, I mean, we saw them go up to Buffalo last year and run the ball all over Buffalo. It doesn't mean they can't go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. It's just, boy, it's hard to win that many games in this conference. So um, I think I think the playoff run will be better than maybe the regular season records suggest, if that makes sense. You look around the entire, like, like that whole, you know, discussion about the power of the AFC like what a treat we are in for the playoffs in that conference this year every game is going to be an absolute banger and hopefully they come through Miami because I think that people playing down here in those hot months it's it's still hot in January you guys know that uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a home field advantage to the nth degree especially when you factor in that every other team that's of power in the AFC is kind of like a cold weather city so it's like the ultimate dichotomy of where those games take place you guys both said it all. Brett Coleman, EJ Snyder, the Bootleg Football Podcast. Check them out on YouTube. If you're not into the visual element, which you should be because it's beautiful. Your guys' sets are awesome. Hey, I wanted to ask you real quick. Brett, you were rocking a throwback sweater, which, by the way, a crew neck, was that was on point. Legit, my guy. Um, did you – it had to be hot in that room, wasn't it? I'm, maybe I'm thinking more of too much <laughs> South Florida weather. But that little space had to be so damn hot you guys were in. It was, it was, it was so hot, but I wanted to wear it. <laughs> like I brought it up to Seattle uh, specifically for that episode. I was like, I want to wear this so bad in the Dolphins episode. And I even wore it on like a, 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 a an episode on my channel that same day that I recorded that morning. And I was dying, but I was like, I don't care. It, the crew neck is amazing. I'm keeping it on. The thing people do to go through to get good content. It's like the model that sits out in the cold weather all day for a shoot and just takes a couple of photos, <laughs> but you're freezing all day. So you guys are troopers, you're pioneers. Thank you again for your time today, guys. And we will see y'all down here this year, right? Hopefully, Hopefully sometime too. late in the season when it's a little bit cooler and we won't <laughs> melt, but no, we would love to come down late in the season. Um, you've always been a huge fan of the podcast and a tremendous supporter. Can't thank you enough for that. And uh, we'd love to come down and pay that off. See you game in person. And away they go. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here and come back on the other side and play some sound from Coach Mike McDaniel, who met with the media on Thursday morning. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's he going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Let's recap Coach McDaniel's Thursday, August 31st media availability, and we'll talk about some of the injury updates. He did give us updates on Jeff Wilson, which you already heard from. Sounds like Devon A-Chain's going to be ready to go for week number one. He was in the red non-contact jersey today, but there's three more practices, or rather four practices next week, and he said after practice today at his locker, he expects to play in the game. Same deal for Savon Ahmed, working his way back from the injury he suffered in the Jacksonville game. And then we heard Coach talk about a couple of players here, and we'll go ahead and play those sound bites for you, starting off with this one here about Braxton Berrios, who has made a big believer in the Drive Time podcast, which is me, just Travis Wingfield. Big fan of this guy's game. Let's go ahead and hear what Coach has seen from him. And another one of those instances where the things you talk about on the podcast, talking about me, Travis, again, uh, Coach confirms it for you. Always a good feeling. Um, I think the, the league is um, very aware of him as a returner. And he pr- he proved to us um, every practice and his opportunities why that's the case um, from a coaching perspective. What, what's been real um, fun to watch is his development and ascension within the offense. Um, I think he, uh, you know, he's he's always been um, a good football player, but at this time in in his career, he he really understands the timing and spacing of this offense, um, especially for a first-year player. I think it, it, it did help, um, you know, that he was in, in a similar system um, with, a, with a guy that I worked with uh, in uh, New York. But he's, he, uh, you know, I think there's a rapport that has been developed with the quarterbacks in him um, that, you know, makes me excited for the, the upcoming future. I know he's excited. Um, as I can see his smiling face every day in team meetings. We found out earlier today that Elijah Higgins, the tight end from Stanford, converted from wide receiver, had five waiver claims put in for him, and the Arizona Cardinals get first takings there uh, at the former sixth-round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins. Here's Coach on the decision to keep Julian Hill and how it's not a reflection of Elijah Higgins, but more about how good they felt about Julian Hill. You know, I think it speaks more to... Uh, what we think about Julian than like less of um, Elijah. We, you know, I, I prioritize um, earning your position at work, and and Chris Greer does too. So that that was a intense competition um, that you get a lot of moments to evaluate. Um, it wasn't uh, a crazy distinction, um, and you know, in terms of. Like, the, again, it's, it's not to speak um, lowly of Elijah. It's more to, um, it's, really, it's really about Julian's ability to, to really, really come from a small school and develop each and every day um, to the point that we thought that he earned the trust of his teammates um, and, uh, and the coaches, uh, how he competed and how he fit um, within the team, but that was a close competition. Um, but again, we, we, uh, it's an inexact science, the whole draft process in general. And so, um, you, you can go one or two ways when, when you're making those type of decisions. And, and we, we, uh, are steadfast on allowing the players, um, while they're here to make those decisions for us. 
We started the podcast with his quote on Alec Ingold. Let's go ahead and end it here with Coach McDaniel talking about Raheem Mostert, the offseason he's had, and what kind of special person he is. And yeah, I can attest to this full heartedly. Raheem is one of the nicest people. Like, I say that about a lot of guys. That's because this locker room is full of really good dudes who treat everybody respectfully, which is obviously great for someone like me. Let's go ahead and hear Coach talk about Raheem Mostert, his focus this offseason, and how excited he is for that player in this offense this season. Outstanding focus. It's been really, um, you know, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't highlight a guy in a better light to, you know, someone that's directly heard a ton of noise um, for months and months and months. And it's almost like every day that it's loud, you, you see um, extra focus. And that's, you know, it epitomizes the journey of um, an NFL player uh, you know, we're in a very fortunate business um, to have uh, to be able to do the things we do on the stage we do and be compensated the way we, way we are. However, it comes at a cost, and that's a lot of people having opinions um, that directly or indirectly relate to you, um, and and you can't control that at all. Um, and I think the sooner that you open your eyes to that, the better. So. Um, you know, to have a guy like Raheem who I've had such a, a, a cool journey with and to watch him work um, is the exact thing that you have to do um, in this business at some point in time. Look, um, no one's, we're, we're, um, we're all uh, earning um, our day-to-day, not entitled to anything, and he, he shows it exactly that with how he carries himself. I'm so proud of him as a professional um, you know, just an, another reason why I have um, such a such a strong human connection with. And that is your podcast. Fun one here to end the week with. We went way too long every single episode this week. Let me guys know if that bothers you or if it doesn't bother you. Uh, either way, the show goes on. But no show tomorrow. We're going to come back on Monday. We're going to give my season predictions on Monday. Talk about the week that was in college football and also uh, hear from some of the players and coach as well. But until then, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, Daddy.